Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show, Roger. Back with Elias, and uh, you're gonna get, you, dude. You're gonna get a kick out of this. Okay. Remember how you said you weren't gonna make a New Year's resolution? Mm-hmm. Well, and you know the last show we we always talk about like how most resolutions don't last like a week. I know someone who made a resolution and hasn't done it once yet. I can't disclose We're that five person. Five days in. Five days in there yet to, yet, yet to accomplish the resolution. It's not that hard of a resolution. I'm, I can't say what's, who it is. What's the resolution? I can't say. So, what do you mean? So you can't say so what it is. How do I want to do it? Who um, it is. Someone made a commitment to do something on a daily basis at a specific time. Okay. Yet to accomplish it. I know exactly who I know who it is. Nobody else does. It's someone in this office. I'm not going to say who it is. But it's not me. It. Here's what I know. It's not me. I didn't do a res. I didn't do resolutions. I know, so if you don't I, do them, you can't. Dude, fail I thought you get a kick out of this because I called the person. I'm like, so, dude, like, have you accomplished that resolution yet? They're like, one time. I'm like, no, no, you didn't. I know you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so. If you're still doing your resolution, keep going. If you set a resolution and you haven't accomplished it, maybe try to do it once. Or you can be like Elias and just not even do a resolution. Yeah, be more like me. Don't set don't don't set unrealistic goals for yourself just because it's a new year. So <laughs> we set resolutions for the show. We try to change things up, and I, I asked you what the resolution was for this year's show, or I guess theme of this year's show. And I think one of the things we're going to carry into 2024 is this idea of just personalized advice. If, if you take a look at all the gurus out there, it's all really just blanket advice that has general meaning to people. It does. And in general, it's typically pretty in general, good advice. It's just not personalized. It's not personalized. And I think, when people want to go to the next level with their finances and their financial future and their retirement and their wealth building, you're going to have to get into the world of personal advice and personalization to get there. It's not going to happen just with blanket advice. It's probably not going to happen just by Google searching either. I mean, maybe. Sure. It'd be maybe. a lot of time, but yeah. it goes back to what's the key component that we always talk to people about. Do you have the time, the desire, and the knowledge to actually do that and if you don't then you get a professional i forget who the guy that said it takes ten thousand hours to become an expert in something so yeah, the question a common if, thing so that's really the question if you think you're a do-it-yourself or do you have ten thousand hours to commit to this to get to like a level of knowledge that you could just pay somebody to do and then what's ten thousand hours of your time worth ten bucks an hour jeez <laughs> Sorry. Is that fifteen dollar an hour work? <laughs> Sorry. Well, let's, I mean, it's pretty easy to figure out if if somebody just took what they make on a weekly basis. Let's say someone makes a hundred thousand dollars a year, right? And um, forty hours in work week, so they make what's it amount to be two thousand a week? So they're making fifty bucks an hour. So yeah, is it you know worth this it is for you to just put all that time into something when you can do something else. It's a good, it's a good point you're bringing up and it's something, um, you know, typically 
when, when we're talking with potential clients, it's not a, a lot of people who are coming to start to transition into retirement. They've already kind of conceded the fact that they want help and they need help. Now we, I do talk to a lot of younger investors at times and a lot of comments I get are, I really want to learn and I want to know what I'm doing and I want to be able to, to do this. So I think I try to at least convey the value of there is value in delegating your time. There's value in delegating your knowledge, delegating the desire, right? Cause that's really what we're fulfilling for people. And kind of the other side of it is there's, you know, if you're going to be a do it, do it yourselfer, that that's fine. But I also let people know a lot of times you, I don't think there's an example of someone who started getting advice at a young age, stayed with a firm for a long time, took their recommendations, did financial planning, did the risk management, did all the things that we would have someone do that's a, a client that's really engaged in doing everything, and they weren't successful with their money. So, you know, if you want to spend your time to just kind of figure it out on your own, that's great. But isn't there value in paying to get what you want, which what you want is to be successful with your money? It, that so Elias, that's kind of a good point. You know, I never really thought about it that way of trying to find someone who started young and stayed with a person. But I'd be interested if somebody did this and if someone wanted to know the power of this. I bet they could do this. So, if you look around our industry, and there are certain firms in our industry who have had advisors that literally been with that firm fifty years. So I would be curious if someone who is young went out and just went to an advisor that's been doing it 40 years and said, hey, find me a dozen people who've been with you 30 years. I want to see how they turned out. I'll bet you're exactly right. I bet they turned out really, really well. And it probably had very little to do with how much money they made. No, they just did all the, if they had all the right habits and they did all the right things, it, it works. But that, that's just a really good point. Uh, so, I mean, you got to get into how do you get somebody to get to the point where they have the vision to start saving or improve their money goals or all those different things. And, you know, we kind of brainstormed this at happy hour a couple weeks ago. Like, did we? Well, I mean, we got our paper and our Crayolas and our. Oh, yeah. You actually, I think you drank water that day. I don't think you had a cocktail with us. You weren't feeling good. But one of the things we came up with is people actually could just create a vision board or a bucket list. My, I did this with Megan. Megan's my wife. We had the idea that, hey, what are the 10 things we want to accomplish in life, you know, before we die? Not that we're dying anytime soon, but the older you get, we had this talk on the la like last night on the radio show. The older you get, the more you think about those types of things. And I'm 45 and I'm like, what's on the list and how do you prioritize to get all those things done? Because at any given moment, for me anyway, I'm a little, you know, I'm a little all over the place sometimes with what I'm going to do. At any given moment, I might change my mind as to what I want to do. I've never seen you do that. Yeah, you have. <laughs> okay. So my idea with Megan was, hey, let's just list out what are the 10 things you want to accomplish? What are the 10 things I want to accomplish? And then if they're not on this paper, we can just ignore that 
Like when we think that's something we want, you just go back to the paper and be like, well, have we accomplished these things? Because that wasn't on this list three days ago. So it's almost just prioritizing what you want to do or kind of like a vision board. You know, some people want to retire early. Some people want to travel. Some people want to be debt free. Some people want to boat. So I could go down my vision board. It's going to be different from yours, but it's just kind of mapping out what you want to accomplish and then staying focused on getting there. That's a great, and that's a, that's probably a really good idea. And it actually reminds me of a couple things, you know, cause if you have this, right, you need a vision, but I think it's also good, this exercise of creative financial vision board. So when, when I was playing football, we had a coach that one of our drills, he called it visualization period where you didn't actually run, you didn't do anything, but we would like either lay down in the grass or sit down in the grass and visualize yourself doing things correctly. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where the first time you do it, you're like, this guy's nuts. How is this helping? <laughs> but you do it enough and then you kind of start to see the value in it. And there, I bring that up because I watched, um, I caught a YouTube reel or a Facebook reel the other day and someone was talking about Drew Brees, the quarterback who played for the Saints for a long time, and his work ethic and all the things that he did to be a successful quarterback. And you could he would be in their practice facility standing on the field with no footballs, no cones, nothing, just going through the motions of the plays and visualizing everything. So I thought, well, that's kind of neat that even the high-level professional athlete, there's a lot of value in just – mentally picturing yourself doing it. So I think if you can do that with even your finances, like visualize yourself being a better saver, have this vision board like you're talking about. So then you stay focused on the specific things. Um, you know, there's probably a lot, a lot of value to that. And I think you, those goals, you're more likely to uh, achieve them if you write them down and think about them. Well, I mean, something to kind of keep in mind a goal's different than a wish, and you just stated what the difference is. A goal has been written down, and you're trying to make it happen. A wish is just something you want. Is that a Dave Ramsey quote? Absolutely. That I, a I, goal without a plan is just a wish. That's exactly what I it read. Is. That. I, well, I didn't read. It. I was watching. I was watching a clip. Did you see, by the way, that Dave Ramsey's the number one podcast? All podcasts. I think you told me that. I didn't see it, but you told me that. Yeah, he had all number one on. Uh, I think it was Apple. Apple, I don't know, yeah, one of those he's, things. He's but, a huge celebrity, and he helps a lot of people. Blanket advice. Yeah, it is. But it's good advice, like good blanket advice. And, you know, we work with a lot of Dave Ramsey people, and what we try to do is take that really good blanket advice and then just dial it in, right? Yeah. Just do the tweaking and the fine-tuning um, for each person's unique individual situation but still off that similar blanket advice. And one of the things, if you're gonna like, if you're gonna create a goal, right? Once you create a goal, the next thing is how do you get it? Because a goal of saying, hey, I want to have a place in Florida per se. Well, it doesn't just happen. There's a bunch of things that have to be involved, right? You have to figure out where you're gonna do it, how much it's gonna cost. And then actually how much it costs, cost, how much are you going to save? How are you going to save it? So I've talked for years about how I think budgets are actually backwards because on a budget, you kind of list your 
line item of all of your expenses first and your last. So I think this year should be the year that people think about flipping their budget upside down. And the first item on there should be pay yourself first. And this is where you can start to say, well, you know, my retirement goal is 62 and I've had very specific personalized advice. So I know what my savings rate needs to be, which is what we do for people. We accomplish it through a financial plan. Okay, hey, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Client, you need to be at 17% to hit your goal or you're above goal so you can be at 11 versus, hey, this is the number you should always be at. That's arbitrary. Okay, that's done. Okay, now my next goal is a place in Florida. How much do I need to save for that to get a down payment for four years? And then build your budget after that because you put your priorities first. So when I say flip that budget upside down, it's literally just pay yourself first and then pay everybody else. And you'll find places to cut the fat. In fact, I had one of Jonas's things happen to me. I went to a black. scary. Well, I, trust me, I didn't sign up for the, the pet payment plan or whatever he did. But here's what happened. It wasn't with you. It was after the Pete Davidson concert or Pete Davidson comedy show. We went to Black Sheep and uh, I paid my bill and I left my my uh, I left my card there and I called him the next day. I said, hey, I think I left my card there. Nope, nope, we don't have it. So I canceled it, right? Guess what canceled with it? No idea. About seven subscriptions I wasn't using. So, you know, I, I sold oh, that. Nice item. I sold that lake house like what? 15 months ago, I had Vivint Security on it. Guess what I was paying? $59 a month for Vivint Security. They never canceled it. it. said pending cancel. So it stopped. I get a notice like, oh, Vivint can't process your payment. I'm like, why would I have a payment to Vivint? So yeah, I called them up. They, they say it shows you. pending cancel. I'm like, what? So fortunately... I got rid of that $60 a month, then I got a refund on it. But just in that situation, there's a lot of stuff in everybody's budget you're paying for that you just don't even know. Yeah, in that situation. And sometimes there's, uh, you know, the upside down budget. You have to start to ask people what we call an upside down question. I just ask people, have you ever thought about paying yourself first? Some people just have never even thought about their budget in that way. doesn't mean they're going to start doing it that way, but it is a, it's a good exercise to just go through to say, okay, I'm going to prioritize paying myself first, saving some money, keeping some for me, and then going after everything else after that. Why? And it's why really is, a simple way to do it. Well, think about it. Like, if you even think back, I don't, I'm guessing they teach budgeting in high school now. I sure hope they do. But I'm they guessing. Did. Yeah, okay. Every single budget. If I went to the internet and pulled up a budget worksheet, what's the first line item on every single one? Yeah, it's going to be all ex all the expenses. It's Savings rent, is last. Rent or mortgage. Yeah, typically. Top lines rent or mortgage. Every single one. How much you make? Rent or mortgage. Which is fine, but it kind of goes back to what I talked about. That if you have that vision board, you know, people get caught in the moment. Oh, my friend got a new house. We should get a new house. Well, if a new house isn't on the 10 things on the vision board, you can just say, well, it's not really a priority. It's only a priority because of the moment. And um, it kind of help you get back on track if you, if you know what the priority is.
I agree with that. So Elias, as we kind of work through three things, you know, I'm bringing to the table today to help people tailor your financial decisions. The third one is protecting and growing your wealth. And, you know, we've been fortunate. The stock market had a really nice year last year. And we're back to this point where many people are close to their all-time high in their account. Maybe some are a little higher. depends on where your asset allocation was. But you shouldn't be like 20% off anymore. And this is the time where people should start to think about their risk management strategies. And, and I know I had a meeting with an individual yesterday that they asked me this question. In fact, it kind of went like this. I, the, the individual said, I know the stock market's going down. And I said, well, how? Well, I just do. Okay. And I said- Oh, that's a compelling reason. Yeah. And I said, well, it might. I, I, he, and the person asked, what do you think? Yeah, very I said, well could. I said, I don't know what it's going to do over 12 months. But what I- I'm gathering based upon our conversation is that you're concerned with your risk, you know, seven years from retirement. And I said, now's the time if you want to, you know, put in some risk mitigation, some risk management strategies, now's the time to do it. You know, when the market's at an all time low, that's not the time to do it. You're protecting more downside. The time to protect downside is when the market's high and it's relatively high to where it was 12 months ago. Um, And that's one of the things that, you know, when you have a tailored financial plan and you're making tailored financial decisions specific to you, you can go build a strategy like this that's in concert with your time frame, when you're retiring, how much you can afford to lose. And that's what we did with these individuals. And they walked out of here, I'm pretty sure they felt a lot better than they did when they came in. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing that they felt better. And hopefully, uh, you know, that's kind of interesting you bring that up because it's, uh, I mean, basically asking you about market timing, right? And I think the reality, so the reality is, is isn't that, I believe the average in a single year top to bottom in the market is like 12 to 14% anyway. I think you're right. I think, so I actually think it's 13 Right. I think somewhere right there. in there, like the drawdown at some point throughout the year. Yeah. And it might not be all at once, but just when you look at what the high was of the year and what the low was of the year, it's typically right around 13%. Drawdown. And it's positive 80% of the time. Right. And, and continues to go, continues to go higher. And what, and the companies, you know, a lot of the guidance on the companies in the stock market they believe their revenue is going to be good and they believe they're going to have good earnings this year, which should be good for stocks. And they're not putting out, you know, one of the, like when they put out the guidance and the things they talk about, they're trying to help investors like understand what's going on, right? Like it's not smoke and mirrors. They're, that's how they're running their companies. Um, now, 2024 is going to be an election year, so there's going to be some excitement and will there be fluctuations? Yeah, there absolutely will be, but you know, like you're talking about, are there risk man risk management strategies can you can implement to help you kind of cope with some of those fluctuations or maybe smooth out the ride, but I don't, you know, the the answer is not well, I'm going to start timing the market. No no one's been able to do that successfully. I mean, yeah. maybe some people have, but very few. 
Yeah, I mean, you're not going to time the market. I mean, nobody's going to do it. But there are strategies you can do, you know, certain situations that certain products have maturity dates. So you can stagger those maturity dates, kind of like a ladder, and build strategies around that. But it's not just, you know, we always focus on, like, what we do, risk mitigation strategies for your investment portfolio. But there's a segment of people out there that actually need to have financial risk mitigation strategies that don't relate to investments. So think about it. We work with a lot of physicians, a lot of doctors. They have a different set of hurdles. I mean, their number one risk mitigation strategy is probably their malpractice insurance, making sure they're insured properly if something unfortunate happens, which I would guess in that industry, it's going to happen at some point you're not going to get a positive outcome every single time you treat a patient. Not I possible. Think at some Too many point, things going on. Yeah. So for a physician, it's the risk mitigation. Or, you know, they're, they're also doctors and physicians are faced with this challenge of, you know, they roll out of school with half a million dollars of debt. So for them, the risk mitigation in some cases isn't, hey, I'm not that worried about my investments. I'm more worried about how do I knock this debt off and how do I manage the cash flow and all these different things that go along with it. Um, knowing that I'm in this tax bracket that's as high as anybody. So you think about a doctor, they just have so many moving parts and risk mitigation on their investments for a lot of them is last. They're more concerned about risk mitigation on making sure they always have a paycheck because they need the cash flow to pay the student loans and pay the taxes. Yeah. And those, uh, you know, your, your investment, right. Your investment portfolio fluctuatings, probably not for what you just mentioned. Like if you don't have any malpractice insurance, that's way more risk than, uh, your stock market portfolio fluctuating over the years. Well, and what I've found with the individuals that I work with, once the student loans are paid off, it's a lot easier to focus on the, the retirement part of it. Yeah. Because if you think about a doctor, and I have, I mean, my best friend's a doctor. They have a unique set of set of challenges because they're in college for, what, 10 years? In some cases, by the time they go through undergrad, they go through med school, they do a residency or a fellowship. They got like 10 years in. So they come out, they're like 34. They had half a million dollars, at least a student loan debt likely, unless mom and dad cash flowed or somehow they paid for it. It's going to take them. You know, if they start out making a good check, it's going to take them five-ish minimum years to pay this off, probably. So they don't get to start saving till they're 40. Let's call it 40. Get serious about it. They've only got this 20-year window to save. Right? Yeah, so they missed out on the first. It. So you got to hammer it. Yeah. Hammer it. But then not only that, let's say, let's say they have a lifestyle where making half a million bucks a year. And they want to keep their lifestyle in retirement. They can't just accumulate two or three million bucks. Yeah. You need They're gonna more. have to so you know, I think a lot of people look at that profession and say, man, they have a lot of money, but what you don't realize they have to save a lot of money to keep that lifestyle. Like a lot. Or work longer than they probably want to. So that's a really unique situation where you have to work with that subset of people and figure out how to make all of these three or four different things work so they can protect their wealth, but also grow it at the same time. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? 
The financial professionals at Premier Investments and Wealth Management are the guides you've been looking for. Picture this, a financial plan tailored exclusively to you. Our team of experienced professionals will work closely with you to understand your aspirations and develop a personalized roadmap to get you there. Whether you're dreaming of retirement, buying a new home, or sending your kids to college, we've got the tools to give you confidence in your financial life. We'll help you navigate saving and investing, retirement income, and tax strategies. Our job is not just about making money. It's about helping our clients make smart choices. We'll provide you with the tools and knowledge to confidently steer your financial ship toward a brighter future. Are you ready to embark on your financial journey with confidence? Visit www.btwealthshow.com or click the link in the description of this podcast. Your financial future awaits. Well, and one of the key things is first identifying what those challenges may be. So you just spoke about what some physicians and surgeons, their challenges, um, you know, other people we work with like business owners, there could be unexpected expenses. Um, well, funny, not could, there will be unexpected. Expenses. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah, it's going to happen at some point. I made a comment to Molly like eight months ago. I'm like, man, all the one time things are over. Guess what? Every month there's another one time unexpected $5,000 item that, oh yeah, we didn't know that was coming, but it's here. Right. And that's never, that's never going to stop. No. Um, that, that, and, that challenges business owners, right? Yeah, if you does. look at business owners, a lot of times business owners are the worst savers for themselves. Yeah, they are a lot of times and almost rightfully so, right? They, they're reinvesting their capital to continue, keep the business open, continue growing, whatever it may be. But still, if you start to do some, some planning and identify some of the challenges, you know, and, and especially if you're a young person getting started out in business, like just start one account, save some money along the way. And at some point I do believe it almost becomes an excuse too of, well, I'm not going to save and then be a saver and an investor because I have this business. So everything's wrapped up in that. Well, you also have to have, there's plenty of businesses out there that although they can provide you a good life and you can make a good living doing it, they may never have a price tag on it that's five, ten, twenty million dollars. And There's everybody, a lot. everybody thinks their business is worth more than it is. Because it's worth well, more to course. them. Yeah, of course. So the the best thing a business owner can do, if there's one listening to the show, is whether you want to do it or not, is just go start a retirement plan for your employees. Because you are an employee of your business. It will force you to do it. It's a good idea. Trust me, when you're writing the check for everybody else in the company, you're like, man, maybe I want to get some of mine too. And probably should. And you should. Like, you should treat your business, you know, part of it's a job because that's how you earn your living. So you should treat that from a retirement standpoint, like a job, but the rest should be, Hey, yeah, this is my business and we want to grow it. But if most business owners out there, a lot of business owners make, have great cash flow. Okay. Just, and many business owners have their spouse working for the business. Just go max out your 401ks, max them out. If you're making 200,000 bucks a year, you can put 20 grand in a 401k, max it out before you get a check. 
And most business owners won't know it because if you actually take a look at most businesses that are been around for, let's call it 15 years, right? You start a business here, 25 or 40, a thousand or 2000 a month in most businesses isn't a whole lot of money. It's just I, not. I wouldn't think so. It's not. Well, that's what you can put away for yourself, but it's always, hey, I have this unexpected expense and I have to do. So it becomes an excuse for not saving. And that's where, and it's how I've always treated what I do. I don't, from a retirement standpoint, I don't ever look at my business as part of my retirement plan. It's the you gravy. Don't. I don't. You know I don't. Like, I don't look at it. Like, okay, I know I'll get something. But I don't know what. So what do I do? 401ks and back to a Roth IRAs and the other saving, just like everybody else who didn't own a business will do. And whatever it, I get for it is what it is. And it'll probably be really nice. But I don't know. So how do you plan for it? With a personalized financial plan? There you go. And you can. You know, I, I, have, a, I have a friend and client right now. He's got a business and... Had a guy come in and tell you the valuation. You're like, well, it's not worth a whole lot. But he's making a ton of money. I mean, because of where it's at and the business it is, you're like, this isn't worth, like, maybe the real estate you have. And he probably was not ever expecting to hear that. No. No. Now, he found a unique way to create value and get some money from it. But everybody thinks their business, you know, oh, you're making a million bucks a year. My business has to be worth a few million bucks. Then someone tells you it's not. Well, really? So the the next option is work forever, right? Sure. Work forever. No one wants wants to work forever. I like what I do. I'll probably work a long time. But, I mean, realistically, I can't work forever. Someday you're going to run me out of here. Well, it's not physically possible to work forever. (laughs) There you go. I mean, that's, that's right? Like. You can have that as your plan. I'm going to work forever. But what happens if you have a memory problem? What happens if you become disabled? What happens if you have a stroke? Like work forever is. I think in this business, once you're, once you're 10 years older, then like all of your clients is probably you should time. be done. Yeah. Like if you don't have any clients that are older than you anymore, it's probably time to start thinking about it. Okay. I just had this just came. This just hit me. Work forever is exactly the same thing as saying I don't need long I don't need to worry about long-term care. It's exactly the same thing. How it, is that the same? Because work forever just assumes that nothing changes and you're ignoring the problem. Right? Why do people say, "Well, I'm not worried about long-term care?" Oh, yeah, care? I see what you're saying. Yeah, well, you're because just, I don't want to worry about with, the problem. I yeah, don't want to pay for insurance, right? Buying long-term care insurance, Elias, is just like saving for retirement. Well, I'll just work forever. Well, I'll work forever is I don't want to save any money. Cause I'm spending it all. I don't want to buy long-term care is I don't want to pay for it. Cause I want to spend it all. It's just exactly the same thing. That's what I want to do. Right. And you, okay. But if you do that, then you're going to end up where in the government, the government building they put you in, you right. know, you're not going to well, have that, any choice of where you get your care. And guess what? That's the same thing as not saving anything and being on social security. Well, yeah, true. Okay, right? Well, These yeah, are the parallels. outside of, yeah, yeah. And then what we tell people, the other options, you can self-insure for long-term care. Well, that's just like saving for retirement. I mean, there's a lot of parallels to the business owner saying, hey, I'm going to just work forever. That's just a cop-out for I don't want to save any money. I love my job. I'm going to work forever. That's one there, thing. I just said it. That's one thing. 
but I'm going to work forever. Most people tell you that because they haven't saved enough. I would agree with that. Um, And you know what? For a lot of the people out there, they've never got personalized advice. They haven't done their own personalized financial plan. And really the best way to guide the decision making and what you should do and how you should allocate your money is by putting together your own personal financial plan. It's what we do for people. You know, we developed the one page premier vision document like a year and a half ago. And it's just taking all the things somebody needs to do to accomplish their goals and put them on one page. If somebody hasn't done that, they should go get that done. If you haven't done a financial plan, you can go to btwellshow.com. You can click started. You can click the link in the description. We'll help you get a one page financial plan. I think everybody should have. It doesn't matter if you're 25 or 55 or 65. It doesn't matter. But you should have a one-page financial plan. That you probably, you definitely should. Not probably, you should. One of the things I want to do this year on the show is because we've made this year about personalized advice, I want to take what we would see as common financial information and advice And instead of focusing on why you should do it, maybe challenge it a little bit. It's easy to say, yep, you should have an emergency account. Yep, you should save X. Like, let's challenge it a little bit and bring it to the world of personalized financial advice, or we can call it backwards financial advice. So as we kind of do this exercise, Elias, let's take a look at the first piece of advice. And it's, you know, increase your 401k contributions every year. And for a lot of people, they set a new year's resolution and typically new year's resolutions revolve around losing weight and money. Like those are pretty common financial, pretty common new year's resolutions. And for some people they just haven't accomplished anything yet. And I don't want anybody to think that because I'm challenging the idea of increasing your 401ks contributions. I don't want anybody to think that's a bad idea, but let's look at a few reasons why you wouldn't increase your 401k contribution because there are reasons why that's not a good idea for people yeah i know one what if your emergency fund is not adequately funded i think you can start to make an argument that you shouldn't increase the contributions and you should get your emergency fund uh funded appropriately where it needs to be and that you know that kind of ties in with that's a risk management strategy you're not going to really you're not going to invest that money for growth or anything like that but it's protecting you when you need a vehicle when you need a you know it's the middle of winter your furnace goes out you have cash to pay for it you have enough money to cover your out of pocket uh maximum expenses for your health insurance throughout the year you know you just you need to be in the short term protected against the what were we talking? What were we calling the unexpected expense? Just like for a business yeah. owner, when do those stop in your real life? Never. In your personal, never. It's all. It's always oh, okay. So like, you know, here's a great one. Everyone probably just spent a lot of money, right? Because we had holidays. And then you're probably thinking, oh, get some relief in January. We're not buying gifts. Something's gonna happen. There goes the furnace. Can be 12 degrees next week. What are you gonna do? Not you're, you're calling the HVAC guy and you're going to pay him whatever it costs. How fast can you get out? Of here? I'll give you an example. Went down to my condo at Lake of the Ozarks. First time down there. Show up. 
86 degrees in the place. And the the, the AC unit had frozen up. It wasn't working. So I show up, and it, we get there, Elias. It's like 5 o'clock at night, the first time we took the girls there. And it's 86 degrees in the condo because it's 100 degrees outside. I'm like, oh, man, someone must have turned off the AC. And Brad had been there like a week before, and he'd having some issues but thought he had it fixed. Well, what's the first thing I did? Friday night, call HVAC company. Who can come out? Call five places. We'll have somebody out. Service calls 300 bucks. I'm like, great, we'll see ya. Show up at midnight, think they get it fixed. Not fixed. But by the time it's all said and done, it's 86 degrees. Now I have a hotel room. You know, I spent like seven or 800 bucks on emergency service calls, but I was willing to pay whatever it took to get it fixed as we're five hours away from home and I don't want to stay at Margaritaville for seven nights. But that's the point. That was the unknown mm-hmm. mm-hmm. expected that I'm going to show up and it doesn't work that way. Just like nobody expects that next Monday when it starts to get cold, they're going to have to call and get the heater fixed. And that's why the emergency fund is key to all of this. It is. So that would be, that would be in my mind, a reason to not contribute more to retirement. You got to get the emergency fund filled up first. Well, and the key there is, okay, so you put an extra 2000 bucks in your 401k. What's that going to do if you don't have any money in your bank account? Nothing. Yeah, because if you have now, a real emergency, you're going to have to rob your retirement anyway. Yeah, you're going to rob your retirement or you're going to have to use a credit card and pay 18% interest because you're probably not going to pay it off because you couldn't save up the money anyway. So that's probably the number one reason why you wouldn't increase your 401k contribution. The second reason is... Depending upon your 401k plan, some 401k plans don't have many options and you may not like those options. I'm not going to say whether the options are good or bad. They just may not be perfect for your unique circumstance. Um, most 401k have general options that are pretty good, but you may, and this is what we have people typically do, get your full company retirement match. Go set up a self-directed Roth IRA, max that out, whether it's because you're eligible to make contributions or you're doing backdoor contributions, and then go back to your company retirement plan and increase it. So I have um, a, I do have a story about this, about 401k choices not being great. It actually technically was a simple IRA plan through a company. So a friend of mine worked at um, a, um, an insurance brokerage company that's local i know the story and they offer for their company retirement plan a simple ira so that's great because you put in money you get a match they did the three percent match model in theirs the investment choices were a fixed annuity and that's it so for a young growth investor that's not really a suitable investment basically just an inflation hedge and a poor one at that. <laughs> yes. So anyway, working with this person, my recommendation was, well, it's still silly to give up the free money, right? Because that's 100% return each time you do it. So let's just do that. But more than that is not is not in your best interest. You got to do a Roth outside of that, maybe even a non-retirement account outside of that. But um, rates... I mean, you're never going to see that account go down. It's a fixed annuity. You're also never going to see it go up by well, much. 
actually it is going down. You just don't feel it because when inflation was 9%. So I know what fixed annuity rates are because we get flyers all the time. In 2021, when inflation was 9%, yeah, fixed you're annuities losing. are paying two. Yeah, you're losing. Yeah, yeah, They were paying two. So they lost 7% of their purchasing power. Like, I can't even believe they can get away with that. I couldn't either. I'd, I didn't, Did you go get the plan? No. <laughs> How about, dude, what are you guys doing? Like, well, I speculate why it's set up that way, but I'm not going to make know any comments. I know why it's set up that I'm way. not going to make any comments about that. And the third, and we'll kind of end on this one, third reason not to increase your, your 401k, your employer, is you're already getting the full 401k match. You know, if you're already getting the match, uh, you're getting everything out of the plan other than more tax benefit, right? So this is where I like to sit down with somebody put together this personalized plan and dial in what the savings rate needs to be. And it kind of brings everything together when you do that plan. So, you know, remember the first thing we talked about today was having a vision board. Remember the clients we worked with in 2020 and they wanted to buy a rental property. And, and I have some rules for that. I said, well, number one, you need to make sure you can afford it without a tenant. And number two, we're gonna pretend as if this isn't part of your retirement. So we need to make sure your retirement's on track first. We're saving what we need to save. So we put together a financial plan. And these people are in their, what are they, like 35 maybe? They're probably like I your age. So. Put together the financial plan. They had good income. And we said, hey, you know, this is what your contribution rate needs to be. So they're putting away all the money they need to put away to hit the retirement goal. But above and beyond that, whatever's left, you could go do a property with. As long as you have the down payment. And you can afford and cash flow without a renter. And they could. Well, because that was on their goal and priority list, it helped them say, hey, I'm not going to put more money into my 401k because I'm already doing what I need to do. Let's take the other money and allocate it to another investment. For them was a rental property. And we helped quantify that decision where if we just use blanket default advice, we have to get 15% into the 401k. Because yeah. people see that as the only investment option. And it's not. Real estate's an investment. There's all kinds of other investments other than just your 401k. Um, but that's where personal advice really helped guide this family to make a really good decision. And they bought that property two and a half years ago. I'm pretty sure they're happy with their purchase. I think so, yeah. I mean, real estate's up how much in the last two and a half years? Probably done Just the appreciation well. alone. Yeah, I think there's an I think the other case in which you can start to say maybe increasing the 401k is not the best move in any given year. I think about some of the younger kind of super savers that we work with, you know, people who are kind of motivated by that fire movement. Well, part of that is you're going to need money before 59 and a half when you can take out of retirement accounts without penalty. Now there's some there are ways to access money in those accounts. I'm not going to get into that, get into the weeds on that, but you still need that bucket of money to provide income in the future that's not retirement related if you have goals of retiring 50 or 55, right? So that could you in those situations you can start to make the case that at different income levels, well, you shouldn't like maxing that out's not really going to work to hit the goals that you have. Now, over time, as your income goes up and there's tax benefits, it probably does make sense over time. But there are certain cases where if you've 
been a really diligent saver and you have a frugal lifestyle, it might be kind of counterproductive towards your goals to increase 401k contributions all the time. Elias, that's a really good point you actually made about if you're going to retire early. If your plan is to retire before 55, you definitely need to have some non-retirement account set up to help bridge the gap from, let's say, 50 to 59 and a half. If 55 is the goal, there's some decent options to access that 401k without penalty. But those options over 10 years are really, really tough to accomplish versus just doing it for five. And if people need information on how to get that done, you can go to btwellshow.com. But it just highlights the whole point of what we're going to focus on in 2024, and that's personalized advice is what helps people accomplish their financial goals, right? Blank advice gets you on the right track. But why wouldn't you just dial this in and get some really good personalized advice? So if you're trying to decide where you're going to save money, when you're going to save money, how you should allocate it, you know, you can go get some personalized advice from us at btwellshow.com. And we look forward to next week's show. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax advisor. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks including possible loss of principal. Dollar cost averaging involves continuous investment in securities. Regardless of fluctuation in price levels of such securities, an investor should consider their ability to continue purchasing through fluctuating price levels. Such a plan does not assure profit and does not protect against loss.